You sounded like the Jordanaires. I'm dating myself. But you know who they were. This morning, we, uh, we continue our journey to Jerusalem with Jesus from the Galilee. And uh, as we've been dis- discovering, as we've walked through this valley that Jesus walked, he is narrowing the focus and making it very, very clear why he needs to die, why we need to die spiritually, and what that leads to. And the key here today for us is forgiveness. So listen as Jesus speaks to his disciples and us as those who get to overhear that good news. Listen to God's word. Luke 17, verses 1 through 10. Jesus said to his disciples, occasions for stumbling are bound to come. But woe to anyone by whom they come. It would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If another disciple or another member of the body sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later, you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also... When you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God take this word about forgiveness and its true nature. And through his Holy Spirit, come and speak to us in a way that gives us a new understanding of what God has given us. Let's pray. Father, as we come today, we, we want to be those who walk with you through that lonesome valley. We want to walk with you to Jerusalem. And we want you to teach us what only you can through your life. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of the hearts of every one of us be acceptable in your sight, Lord. Because you're our rock. And you're our Redeemer. And so we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. The journey of a Christian is learning day in and day out what forgiveness really is. That's it. And it is a journey. 
It's not just a one-time experience. It needs to happen all the time. The late Lewis Smeads, who uh, taught me a lot about this, both in what he said to me personally and in, in books that he wrote about forgiveness, said perhaps the most poignant thing I've heard about forgiveness when he said, not forgiving, not forgiving, whether it's yourself or someone else, is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Not forgiving is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Along with forgiveness, the gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, and the two cannot be separated. Grace and forgiveness flow into and out of one another. Grace is that amazing substance we sing about that allows us to forgive when we cannot. When we cannot, whether it's ourselves or someone else. And it is out of this graceful forgiveness that we learn the whole point of this life is that of being forgiven and out of that forgiving. That's the whole point. That's the whole reason we're here. The whole entire purpose that we are here is that God came to do in us what needs to be done in the life of every person, and that is to be forgiven. That is the greatest burden. Look around in our world today. Look at what's tearing our world up. It's the, the need for grace that comes through forgiveness and the sense of being redeemed. Now, to experience this is to realize what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. You see, forgiveness is not excusing something as if it didn't happen. And way too often we think that's the case. It did happen. Something did go terribly wrong. And to pretend that it did not is not to forgive, but it, it is to excuse. And you all know what this is about because you all experienced what I'm about to describe to you at some point. I'll, uh, either you were the one on one side or the other of this equation, and that is when you scraped your knee badly, you fell down, and you came into the house, and your mother saw that. She said, oh, honey, come here. Let, let, me, let me clean that out. Let me get the orange stuff, you know, with the, the skull and crossbones on the bottle, <laughs> the stuff that stings like crazy, and let me clean it out. Because if I don't clean it out, it's going to get infected. Oh, no, 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 Mom, just slap a Band-Aid on it. i got to go play, and I don't want that stuff. I don't want it to sting, okay? That is trying to excuse something as if it didn't happen rather than forgiving it. Forgiveness is the astringent of truth that comes in to clean things out and make it new. Excuse is not what is needed. It is dishonest. It says something didn't happen. It does no one any good. Mom's going to have to take care of the infection. Dad's going to have to take care of the infection. And we are going to have a whole lot worse wound. In fact, it could be life-threatening. Not forgiving, but excusing, leaves the door open for that to happen again and again. 
To truly forgive is to pull the covers off the offense and show it for what it is. Mom says, let me see what you got there. No, I don't want it. No, leave it alone. This is what God did when he came in person in Jesus Christ. God sent his son to say, let me see what you got going on there. Well, God knew. But he knew we needed to show it. And Paul tells us, as we just read, that while we were still sinners, while we were in the midst of our woundedness, Christ died for us to make it right. He made it possible for us to experience forgiveness. And when we realize this and let Jesus do what only he could do, we let him define just what the injury is. And we let him set us free in ways we never imagined. Because we just don't know the nature of how deeply wounded we are by sin. We don't know how forgiven we need to be. But as we let him come in and define that, in every one of our lives, other people see that healing happens. And out of this, we are truly enabled to forgive as we model forgiveness to people so that they are not trying to hide the need to be forgiven. And there we break that cycle. Jesus comes right out and says it. In this passage, he says, there will be occasions for stumbling. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to scrape your knee or worse. You're going to hurt someone, yourself and others. And he says the greatest failure is not so much our own as what we cause others to do by our tacit or overt approval of what God's word tells us is contrary to God's will. He says there's the big problem. When you tell your friends, oh, it's just a flesh wound, it doesn't matter, it doesn't need to be cleaned out, I do this all the time, no need for that, we encourage them to do the same, and they get infected, and somebody else gets infected, and pretty soon we're all very, very sick people, and that's what sin does. It makes us sick. And he says, in fact, if you teach somebody to do that, you might as well get the grinding stone for the olive press, and these things are big. Those of you who have been to Israel, they're like 500 pounds with a big hole drilled through the middle of them. You might as well have one of those tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea. Because you have ruined your life and others by doing that. Jesus says that's drowning ourselves in deception. And it's drowning others. He says real forgiveness acknowledges sin for what it is and, and is not shy in admitting it and calling it for what it is. That's not right. That's not right. Jesus says to watch out. He says be on guard. Don't get lazy about what sin is. He says we are to call one another on the times we miss the mark. If you've ever, if you've ever wondered why we have a unison prayer of confession, because you might think you had a perfect week, you know. <laughs> you have to do that this week. It's to remind one another, yeah, there was the week before that and there's the next week. And more to the point, it's our condition that we're acknowledging. We need to say to one another, there is something that only God can take care of. And we need to point out that if someone hears that and turns around, we are to forgive, even if it's taking them a lifetime to turn around. Even if they say, I blew it again. I didn't want to, but I did. I blew it again. I need to be forgiven. We need to forgive. Why? 
Why? Because that's what has been done to us. Every day, Jesus says, I still forgive you. I forgive you. I love you. Do you want to be forgiven? But again, this is not excusing. It is correcting and being held accountable. And it's holding someone else accountable when we say, that's not working, is it? Or to use Dr. Phil's famous words, how's that working for you? How's that working for you, pretending that that's not a problem? Jesus did this. While at the same time forgiving, in the true sense of the word, Jesus says, I'm identifying your condition. I'm, I'm looking right at your life. I'm seeing the diagnosis. You're sick. And he says, I want you to be whole. And the reason, he says, I've come to do this. The reason I've shown up is because it's not a flesh wound and you don't just have a little boo-boo. You're going to die permanently if you don't let me be the one who cleans your wound with my forgiveness. I don't think we're very good at this. Either because of embarrassment or bitterness or both. And most of the time we don't understand our role in forgiveness because we don't understand how completely God has forgiven us. And I realize we can't completely understand this, but we can start. And we start as we begin to know the depth of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And as we want this to happen for other people as it's happening through us. So often we miss this because we're so caved in on our way of life, trying to take care of ourselves that we miss the whole reason we're here. Jesus said, if someone needs to be forgiven every day for as long as they live and wants to be, you forgive. Is that being a chump? Is that being an enabler? Is that being a doormat? No. It is the best way to know what forgiveness really is by embodying that forgiveness to someone who truly does want to be forgiven. It is the best way to know what it means to be transformed and an agent of transformation as we are acknowledging that something happened that hurt us both. It broke our relationship. And it needs to be healed by a love greater than either of us have. But Jesus makes it possible as he forgives us. Here's the forgiveness that Jesus shows us and enables us to show to others that we can say. Here's a little prayer that I, I read from a wise follower. Her name is Ruth Myers. She says, Father, get this. I thank you for the people in my life who seem to bring more pain than joy. <laughs> who prays that? Father, I thank you for the people in my life who seem to bring more pain than joy. That's putting it lightly, isn't it? She says, and I praise you that I need not fret about these people or be envious or mull over angry thoughts to prove I'm right. Thank you that by your power I can receive them as you receive me, just as I am, warts, wrinkles, hang-ups and all, and that I can choose not to judge them but forgive them to cancel any debts I feel they owe me, any apologies, any obligations, that through your grace I can choose to wipe clean any slate of grievances I have within me and to view these people 
with a heart that says, you no longer owe me a thing. Thank you for your spirit that, who empowers me so that I can do them good, so that I can delight in you and commit my way to you, resting in your way as you unfold your good purposes in these relationships in your time. That's in a little book called 31 Days of Praise. I, I commit it to you. The disciples heard Jesus effectively saying this and said, Lord, increase our faith because we're not wired like that. We do not say thank you for those people who bring more pain than joy. We say, nuke them, Lord. Zap them. <laughs> do away with them. And it's true. And until the indwelling power of God's forgiveness is allowed to invade our brokenness, we will not be able to, to love and forgive the way Jesus is describing. But as we let our brokenness be healed, as we let ourselves realize how forgiven we need to be, we will not only be able to do this, but we will be able to be freed beyond ourselves in ways that set us free. Someone wisely said, we cannot bear to live in a world where wrong is taken lightly and right and wrong finally make no difference. Spare me a gospel of easy love that makes my life a thing without consequence. Atonement is not an accountant's trick. It is not a kindly overlooking. It is it is not a not counting of what must count if anything in heaven or on earth is to matter. God could not simply decide not to count without declaring what we do not count. But he did count it. And then he took the greatest account and gave his own son. And the way we learn to forgive is to realize what is at stake. So often we are the victims of our own unwillingness to forgive something that has no eternal significance or even temporal significance. Think about it. how many times do we hold a grudge over burnt toast or some other stupid little thing and we say, well, it's the principle. Don't you understand? Let it go. How much more have we been forgiven? You know what? There's the problem. We're neglecting the larger nature of what has taken place to us. Like the, the two men that were for, forgiven a, a debt. One guy has been forgiven a lifetime of debt, and he's holding a grudge against somebody who owes him a day's wages. Hello? Do, we don't do that, do we? And then sometimes what we're called to do is huge. I, I won't make light of it. Sometimes we are called to forgive something that is absolutely incomprehensible, unimaginable. It's something we can't let go of. And that's where God's Holy Spirit has to come in and bring the cross to bear upon our lives and say, you know what? Even this can happen if you will let me do it. And in either case, the only way to forgive is to be forgiven, Jesus tells us, and to realize that our role is to let that tiny mustard seed of desire work in us by God's grace. God knows us. Jesus knows us because he came and walked the lonely valley. 
He gave his life to show us what we really need. And when this short life is over, my friends, we will not be giving God a list of why we are qualified to be with him forever. We will not be saying, hey, you know what? I was really nice to all the people who were nice to me. We will be saying, Lord, forgive me. There's so much I didn't forgive. And as Jesus tells the disciples, so he tells you and me, let the mustard seed of faith be at work in us to say, yes, I forgave. Yes, I forgive. Again and again and again and again. Why? Because I was forgiven. I forgave because that is why I'm here. Whatever's holding us back may be surrendered to the grace of Jesus today so that we may move that mountain of unforgiveness and throw it into the sea and realize that the mountain of our own failure has been swallowed up in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you, you came and you looked into that wound and you didn't leave it alone. And you scrubbed it with the closeness of your own life. You climbed in where all the germs were and where the infection had started to take hold and was going to kill us. And you let yourself be swallowed up by all of that infection so that we could be forgiven. Lord, let us not forgive that, forget that. As we go through this life, let us be free to realize we're on our way home. You're going to get us there. You already have paid the price. Free us to live that way so that other people could experience the wonder of that gift very tangibly as we forgive in the way we've been forgiven. In Jesus' name we pray, dear Father. Amen. Let's stand up and let's join our voices and lives together in that classic confession of what makes everything work. The affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed. Let's say it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.